0: To be quite honest, I'm trying, learning to love my body at every shape it takes. That's if we're going to be honest. But this isn't what we're talking about today. So, um, let me introduce myself. Hi, I'm Ludwine, I'm your friendly neighborhood widow. This episode is entitled, New Standards, Who This? Before I get to it, please turn off your volume for the reading of the warning label, warning, subscribing to this podcast can expose you to subjects and conversations about love, loss, physical and emotional abuse, mental health, and resilience. Your Friendly Neighborhood Widow podcast is a, podca- is a platform that makes room for the conversations that have been deemed taboo. This podcast is the accumulation of raw and unfiltered thoughts from a domestic violence surviving widow. And a guest or two. Side effects may be unexpected anger, inspiration, self-esteem boost, or laughter so strong you may pee your pants. An open mind or a change up on the garments are suggested but not required. And if you deem it necessary, please consult a therapist before listening. Thanks for joining. Okay, raise your hands if you're a boy's girl. I had no business claiming myself as a boys girl when I was a teenager, but I know that now, so, we'll bless the Lord. One of my most handsome friends calls me Big Booty Judith. My guy best friend once complimented my outfit by saying, whoa, I need to remember we're friends because you're ass in these pants. And everyone else and their mothers just love to comment on the fluctuation in the size of my butt on the days that I don't feel like being strong. I use the shape and size of my butt as a reason to feel good or bad about myself. Okay, let me run this back. Being a curvy girl or slim thick, it's my favorite thing to be called, (laughs) it isn't necessarily a blessing. Some people think, ugh, Ludie, your body's perfect. You don't get to complain about it. In my other podcast, Who Let the Widow Out, a podcast in which I share the wild, the funny, and the girl get at your feelings about dating while widowed, I mentioned the superficial aspects of post-traumatic life being these ideas that people make on how easy things should be for you to manage, completely ignoring that there's more that meets the eye, like to everything. In the words of Fabulous Mama, (laughs) my mama, who's rocking it at doing widowhood on her own terms, by the way, she says, look at it with your spiritual eyes i used to be a afraid of my body i bloom like an outback onion so early and sure enough like that darn blooming onion i could notice people's reactions to my body and feel the discomfort without really understanding why right away and this is the girl whose puna grandmother would tap on her growing breast with the sandals to stunt their growth because in her understanding of life when your boobs grow you start thinking about man and you ignore school. Listen to each their interpretation of puberty hormones and shit, okay? This body that everyone seems to praise deserves to have its story told today. And I think it is the best advocate to telling you how much standards in my life have changed through post traumatic growth. I don't feel like going into details about anything before adolescence, but when I arrived, to my international school in Washington, DC. My mother and shape awarded me some popularity among the boys. Those who were my friends greeted me with a tap on the butt when passing me in the hallway. I'm shaking my head as I'm reading this. Anything to distract my peers from the scared and lost teen that I was. See, what they'd had filed as an endearing gesture was an opportunity for me to feel valued in some way. I was funny enough without a doubt. So I could easily, I could have made those friends. I could have kept those friendships without needing to normalize being spanked without warning. But having recently, and I air quote, escaped a reality in which I was bullied for my appearance, I just couldn't become uncool by being annoyed With a little tap on the booty. Like, what's a little tap on the booty, Ludie? Come on. Come on, big booty, Judith. (laughs) Accepting certain treatments, keeping loose boundaries. It was a brand for that period in my post-traumatic development. So as we grew as people, I quietly sat through commentary that revolted me. But I often second-guessed if I had the right to feel revolted since somehow... I can be possibly be be this ungrateful friends. I finally had friends. Why would I be like ungrateful about having friends? You know what I mean? Like, come on. What's a little tap on the booty, Lootie? I was a spoiled brat in the sense that I was blessed enough to have friends willing to set up situations for me to like not miss out on making memories together and being new to making memories. I felt like I was being part of this exclusive club in which I needed to be awarded access revalidation. and a little tap on the booty, looty. These notions, this condition has a way of staying with people, and I mean it follows you in your professional life and any other compartment of your life. Don't think it stopped at adolescence in high school and middle school. And I, after that, I was like, okay, we're done tapping on my booty without my know my knowledge. Now, like the concept of that will stay. So we're in adulthood now. And Let me tell you something, I was a stellar hospitality employee. Gosh, in spite of my curious encounters with humanity, you guys, I love people. I might call myself a reformed people pleaser who still finds comfort in serving, (laughs) but with a bit more discernment now I'll say, Imposterism accompanied me all through my career, to my marriage and back to the company I worked for. An opportunity came up for me to leave them. And I remember one of the most inappropriate and unprofessional conversations a leader could have with his employee. I saw an opportunity to grow in this new job that was offered. I wanted to do something new, something challenging. And the boss in charge of me in my old job, he saw somehow or received it as a personal ploy to destroy his team. He reminded me how much he didn't trust me initially. And how he gave in and finally trusted me and gave me this these important responsibilities, and he was just disappointed that I would just leave him high and dry. <laughs> God, I just like I am remembering this conversation like verbatim our conversation. I was like, and I'm just like, uh, what? Who? Is, what is this? Whose life was that? That was my life. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, bro, you were like real far into your feelings, and you really can see some things happening to you. I mean, is everyone picturing the brain exploding emoji right now? Like, mind blown. Today I'm really mind blown and laughing, but back then I was confused, scared. It just made me scared. It made me scared for my new venture. And I was angry crying to my friend about it. And you know what's sad is that I just chalked it up to um, I chalked it up to young widowhood, to pain from loss, to loneliness and feeling less than. See, I was not willing to identify that that conversation was completely uncalled for and unprofessional because I feel like I had conditioned myself to being the anomaly in my environment, which I remind you, has always been this exclusive club I'm even lucky to be a part of. So every positive space felt like that. Which is why when my boss later had no fear telling me that the only reason, and this is a a boss in another job, by the way, like he told me that the only reason he gave me a job was because one day I had walked into his restaurant and he thought I looked so good that he needed to have me on his team. And I chuckled, like he said that and I chuckled, but not because I thought it was funny or cute or felt like special in any way, but I knew that this level of appropriateness could grant me a wish. This was a boss who allowed me not to wear my full uniform. That's right, I had requested that I wouldn't wear a belt. This beautiful restaurant had these intimate seating spaces, you know, where the tables are close together. That, like, if you're standing in between two tables, your booty's for sure sitting on the other table. (laughs) <laughs> so it was really helpful for me if he said yes to me not wearing a belt. Why? Well, because it would accentuate my waistline, highlight the shape and the size of my butt, and influence guest experience and approach to me and my service. You're probably like, no, stop. That's not true. No, it's true. You can giggle if you want to, actually, because in my experience, I have been inappropriately touched by restaurant patrons. And I've been wrongfully accused of flirting with people's husbands. Because you see, this, wasp, this wasp-like this figure, it is automatic, automatically associated with acceptance to be sexualized. People think that because I look this way, it's okay to approach me and to sexualize me initially without my consent. Ugh, Ludi, your body is perfect. You don't get to complain about it. Okay. Let's talk about it after the break. Yep, it's the last season. It's the last season of my podcast. But it's not the last season of my post-traumatic growth. It keeps going. So if you want to keep up with me, it's okay. Get to Insta. It is at ludwine.johnson. L-U-D-W-I-N-E dot Johnson with an H. So we'll catch up then. We'll catch up then for most more post-traumatic lives on my own terms. We'll catch up then to see everything else that I'm up to outside of podcasting. If you really miss my voice and you really miss the podcast, that's okay. I have decided to do a podcast about dating. I know. It's called Who Let the Widow Out? And it is here on the platform that you're listening from. Who Let the Widow Out? Yes, it's about frolicking through dating red flags. Dating is cute and sweet, but when your brain is rewired post-trauma, <laughs> so many things are happening. So catch up then. Let's, let's talk. Let's listen about my crazy dating stories until I finally figured out how it was meant to work out for me. I've loved, I have loved doing this podcast. It has taught me so much about myself. It has changed so much. My expectations from it have changed so much over the last two years that I've made now three years that I've been doing this. Thank you. Thank you for understanding the power of telling your story. And I think I'm forever going to be thankful for this having been my very first podcast. Gosh, I love this. It's been amazing. So if it helps you if it helps someone else go find the episode that does send it share it. This podcast may be over in the sense that I'm no longer going to be making new episodes. But I think the message here and me lending my story has value. And if you find that value, go ahead and share it. I think it's beautiful. Listen, it's hard sometimes to say, I'm thankful to have found the lessons in my experience. I did not know when I fell in love and when I went into my marriage that I was going to come out of it broken to rebuild to be stronger. I wouldn't have chosen that. I would have chosen a happily ever after that includes a white pick of pants and just me longingly looking into these blue eyes and laughing at these cynical jokes for the rest of my life. That's not the way the cookie crumbled. And while it took me a long time to accept that, I have finally accepted it. Um, This last season will show you that maybe everyone hasn't yet, and I think that's okay. But we're gonna get there. And no matter what you do, Normalize survivor joy and do post-traumatic life on your own terms. You are your own experience and you nurture the post-traumatic life you feel you deserve. We'll talk later, okay? Hey, friend. So it's likely I never actually shared my level of discomfort with you because I didn't feel that you were a safe space. I don't mean for you to find out this way, but (laughs) it's just how it works sometimes. So I probably accepted being a part of this exclusive club that is my environment and my big booty self. And I just stayed up at night, listing pros and cons to taking a power back. And somehow the con list seemed longer. However, as I started making post-traumatic work my priority and set out to have uncomfortable conversations in order to save lives, I could not ignore one of the biggest sources of discomfort in my story, my body. It was once a condemned action icon of distraction. It was once a secret playground for the wrong kind of adults. It also worked as a double-edged sword in in the adolescence era. It was the stress relief ball to a hurting lover. It was the uncomfortable sidekick to my personality and my professionalism. It was the vessel in which I existed, yet didn't seem to truly have belonged to me, ever. So my friend Melissa shared this hilarious meme (laughs) on one of those hypothetical conversations, you know, where me says, I don't hold grudges. Also me relates a story of pain that everyone has already forgotten about and moved on from that remains somehow Unresolved in my heart, in spite of the many times you've practiced your fireproof, so you say, introspection steps to healing. So I have this vivid image of me snooping through a friend's phone. Uh, yeah. Judge your mama, listen to the story. <laughs> and I found conversations about me and a photo of me at the party wearing a dress that did my cleavage, if you ask me, some justice, okay? A I get to talk about myself this way. <laughs> it's my body, remember? But it's not the talking about me part that hurt my feelings. I don't think I cared so much that my friends were talking behind my back. I feel like we all did that as teenagers. Like sometimes you get into a conversation about your friend. It's not nice. You need to stop doing that. But that part didn't hurt my feelings. But it was the perception of me that they were sharing with each other about my about my body. But the perception that our environment had given people around me, and I consider these people like sisters, yet they had no idea how I actually felt about my body. They were all within living within this this misconception of what people thought I believed and thought about my body. See, I dissociated so much from being part of my body that, and I held it responsible for how people viewed me and the motivation they thought was behind all of that. I never actually assumed that people closest to me also believed wrongly of how I felt about my body. I could wear the exact same outfit as the next girl my age, but if I were the curvier of the two, I was immediately eligible for slut-shaming. And what sparked me the most about the conversation I fell on, it wasn't the slut-shaming, but something about how much power over my body I had given others that they were so confidently agreeing and speaking on my body's behalf about the way I use it to means that they were convinced I wouldn't have come to with my personality and value as a person alone. I think that this scene remains on my brain because as I grow away from trauma into new chapters of new experiences, I revisit and try to draw a new understanding of that situation. It's like a mom walker, like a check-in um, checklist or something. Initially, I felt betrayed, but I also felt too powerless to stand up for myself. Then later in life, I felt as though I just didn't have true friends back then. But people who just needed me to work for their validation. Eventually, I looked at it as the grief in adolescence that manufactures behaviors in teenagers that motivate them to create narratives about others that make themselves feel safe when they can't make sense of situations. And most recently, it was a call on me to adjust standards in my life that I did not try to rationalize walking in the rooms in which I'm not given a chance to be a decent human. Instead, I'm expected, in spite of my intentions, to be something completely different than who I am and who I believe that I am. Evidently, taking such a stance may accentuate how you're received by those who, for so long, you had held to an elite status in this exclusive club that is your former environment. As I've had to redefine boundaries and truly understand that setting boundaries isn't to be based on rejection, This was a challenge. Guillaume Dulude, the searcher of gold, but this really awesome um, um, neuropsychologist taught me that we should know the difference between um, rejection and setting boundaries. He may not know this, but he should know. So if you know him, tell Guillaume that he saved my life. And he has relieved me from a high level of guilt yes like i've been saying all season that fear of being ungrateful it filled me with this guilt that just sat there on my chest just super heavy and learning the right notion the right description the right understanding regaining the right understanding of boundaries truly has come and picked up that weight, oh my God, and made life so much lighter. I didn't really have a true north in setting boundaries. I thought, you offend me? You are now locked outside my boundaries and I'll never speak to you again. Be gone, child. But eventually understanding that boundaries are about self-preservation and not punishment really helped me. I don't have to force myself into being the new exclusive club in town and make people wish they had value in my eyes and feel terribly for realizing none of my friends love me for being strong. It doesn't have to be that way. That's self-deprecation shit, mm-mm, mm-mm. But quick pause, when I say none of my friends, that's just a ridiculous exaggeration used in our woo is me seasons, okay? But we all know our, we have friends. It could be one, it could be two, we have friends, and they're, they're real friends who will rally and who will learn us as we grow. Boundaries are about planting positive seeds within ourselves and setting new sets of standard operating procedure for how to keep these seeds nourished. The right amount of light, the right amount of warmth, and most definitely the right amount and the appropriate amount of physical contact. You're so complicated. What kind of guy do you actually like? That's from a friend of mine. He was confused as to why I didn't feel flattered or satisfied by male attention one day. So he said he said this to me. And I just didn't have a long response. So I said, I just have to feel it. But here's what I actually meant. Because the different spaces my mind and self-worth have been over the years. My body has belonged to everyone but myself. And it took me a while to take ownership and claim full custody of my mind of my body as God worked on my soul. And as I've learned that the three are connected, I stopped being impressed or choosing to put value in those who meet me at the superficial spaces of my post-traumatic development. So when the wrong vibes, the wrong intentions, the wrong energy, the wrong attitudes, the wrong words enter my post-traumatic development and threaten my post-traumatic joy, my entire being can I speak for itself, and I kindly say, "New standard, Who is this?" We'll talk later, okay?